Hello, and welcome to now the 10th-ish episode of the Cage Fight Podcast. Yeah, 10's about on, I think. We've watched 18 movies so far, and, uh, you know, I'm feeling great about it. mm -hmm. Feeling optimistic for the first time in my entire life. You've got a feeling. I've, I've got a feeling. <laughs> oh God! Nick caught I, the GeForce bug. I know. We got a new. I, I'm trying to get over it. I spent a few days in bed, sick, trying to get the GeForce bug out of me. We got but, a new member of the GeForce gang right here, and his name is Nick. He's uh, been converted. For the record, I I have not been converted. I'm fighting every step of the way. <laughs> I uh. Wait, who is this? Uh, this is uh, this is this is. Nick Offerman. Went, uh, this is uh, Zach Galifianakis. This is Mike Offerman Tyson. <laughs> Mike Offerman Tyson. <laughs> this is uh, Mike Hunt. Oh, holy shit. That's, <laughs> if you say that too fast, it sounds naughty. So don't. <laughs> oh. Okay. You are about to join G-Force, the yes. government's most elite team of spies, on a top Not again. secret mission. The G-Force update. Two. One. G-Force, Delta Formation. You bitches! <laughs> you bitches! Oh, this is gosh. murder! Murder! You'll all be guilty! G-Force, And you're doing it for nothing! I don't know what they're plotting over here. Goddamn honey! Oh, God. No, that is the waste of $30. Please don't. Yeah, we need to get that. And hang it up in here. We do. I don't remember that cat meow at the end of it. Uh, that's uh, that's actually the best part. Um, <laughs> so uh, just to give a quick uh, update. Um, so last week I told all our listeners to go out there and tweet out hashtag GeForce Gang. Um, and I'm happy to report that we absolutely went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying one of the biggest tweets of all time since uh, Jimmy Fallon elected Trump president. Oh, yep. Um, I'm, I've been getting DMs from the CEO of Twitter. He's personally thanking me um, <laughs> because... Uh, Didn't Macklemore hit you up? Yeah, Big Mac. Big yeah. Mac hit, has, uh, has hit me up. Much to my um, chagrin about all of this. Uh, yeah. I'm still over here with the anti-G-Force campaign. but <laughs> He's uh, he's actually a, a new convert. He's a little bit self-conscious about it. But yeah, basically Twitter has had an influx of new users who uh, heard about G-Force gang. Um, old users who had left have come back. Um, and yeah, basically Jack from Twitter was saying that uh, he hasn't been able to feed his kids since uh, banning Alex Jones and all the alt-right talking heads. Uh, and so he's just happy to have uh, a bit more traffic now, um, thanks to the hashtag GeForce gang. Yeah, well, GeForce is, uh, I think, should probably be banned from Twitter. It's, uh, it's on the level of terribleness of Alex Jones. <laughs> uh, well, actually, uh, not, a, not a lot of people know this, but the GeForce is a leftist group. Oh, um, and they are super woke, and they will never be canceled. So, uh, Didn't they have that frog? No, you're thinking of a different group. I think you're thinking of a different. The frog group is a different one. Uh, no, I'm sure. Pre- I'm pretty sure Pepe the frog is in G Force. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I'm gonna have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure G Force killed Pepe the frog. Um, and Alex Jones and the fat all one cops. with the fucking farting problem looked just like that Breitbart guy. Wait, which, which one? one? Bannon? Yeah. Oh my God! It actually kind of did. Yeah, actually, um, so the G-Force uh, m- murdered 
Steve Bannon, but he was wearing, or they tried to murder Steve Bannon. He was wearing about 14 sweater vests, um, and the bullets just would not penetrate. So I see next time we'll get him next time, guys. Well, uh, speaking of, uh, fascists, (laughs) um, (laughs) Captain Corelli's mandolin, (laughs) um, Oh, I thought you were going to introduce yourself again. Oh, no, yeah, we got to introduce, we, we, dude, we, oh. No, we did it. We're, we're good. Okay. <laughs> Nick, Zach, Mike, the last names, they cherry, they cherry. I was going to say change and vary at the same time, hey, and I my, came out cherry. It's funny because my last name is Cherry. Weird, my last name is Cherry. <laughs> it's probably because that time we got married. That's true. Um, and our uh, couple name is uh, Buck Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah and also our engineer dave who is still here still fucking here yeah but looking at a job with buck cherry <laughs> oh he actually uh right after we finished the record last week um he came down to us uh on his knees um and his knees were just scraped like he was practicing this while we were recording uh mm. and he begged for our forgiveness and uh, i think he said he wanted one more shot um he knows that he's trash or something like that and he's gonna try better uh well really what it was is that i wanted one more shot of the slow gin but nobody would give me any more yeah and uh i would like to congratulate dave on uh well i was going to congratulate dave on his uh today was his three would have been his three years sober um and he is uh celebrating by getting real trashed Uh, so cause for celebration man that's what i say anyways uh, today we're we're comparing Captain Corelli's Mandolin and Dying of the Light, two movies that I'm willing to bet you've never heard of, and uh, I mean I certainly hadn't. And uh, I wonder why that is. Because uh, after you shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, so we're 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 gonna start off with Captain Corelli's Mandolin here. It's uh, came out in 2001. A year that we'll never forget. <laughs> you know, uh, it was a it was a great year for a lot of people. Bad year for a lot of people too. Uh, yeah, because I think. Um, well, I think oh, it was really good for this guy named like uh, Bin Laden. He had a yeah. A lot of his plans came to fruition. And, yeah, and uh, then uh, yeah, and then he was uh, he was elected president seven years later. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Just kidding. I'm I'm on the G Force side. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're not on the Bannon side. I'm oh. I'm, uh, I'm not a Bannon guy. That's Dave and Nick. Oh, uh, hey, don't make those types of accusations hey, at me. The yeah, only please, thing I'm please Bannon, don't with that. The only thing I'm Bannon is Nazis. Hey yo. Uh, uh, and that's why I watched this movie mm-hmm. to because it was made by Nazis. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so Captain Corelli's Mandolin is rated R, came out in 2001, and directed by John Madden. <laughs> that is, that is not a the joke. game. Uh, John Madden? Are you fucking serious? John Madden directed this movie. And yes. I know what you're thinking. Not the football personality. But you'd be wrong. <laughs> it is, in fact... I, well, I, I didn't check I, this. I didn't check it either, but I'm pretty sure you're 100% correct. Uh, he's directed such films as Madden 03. Madden 04. <laughs> Madden 98. Yeah, and uh, actually, uh, Michael Vick was supposed to be the lead in this movie initially, but... Um, but then they got uh, Penelope Cruz. Yes, they got Penelope <laughs> Cruz because uh, she killed more dogs, uh, and thus was a more powerful personality. Yeah, if you uh, didn't know, in his um, 
in his spare time from talking about football and being a coach or whatever the fuck he was, I don't remember. That's just good football. I think he <laughs> sold hot dogs. <laughs> John Madden also directed Shakespeare in Love, which I believe won Best Picture of the Year it came out. I don't fucking remember. Um, also, the best exotic marigold thing. Uh, you know, I haven't who, heard of. Yeah. who was Shakespeare in Love with? Uh, that's that's with, what uh, I'm wondering. With John Leonardo Madden. DiCaprio, right? Oh yeah. No, no, that was Romeo plus Juliet. It had Gwyneth Paltrow. No, and... but he Shakespeare was actually in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, the movie's yes. different. Okay. I know what like, you're talking about. The man was. Yeah, they exaggerated uh the the plot a little bit for for the screen, but yeah. um mm-hmm. changed names to make sure. Shakespeare was in fact uh in love with Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's why he uh actually did invent so many words uh, to try to confuse Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and trick him into his bed. So, um, and uh, it did work. It did. Learned. It did work. They fucked. Yeah, uh, they fucked a lot. They fucked a lot. <laughs> and it killed Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is how much I don't want to talk about this movie. <laughs> Captain Corelli's mandolin. <laughs> Production company Studio Canal and working title films, which. <laughs> Working title films is an interesting choice for the thing. I don't know. It seems if you only have a working title and you name your company after that, it seems to imply that anything you're producing never actually comes out. But They're still working on it. It's quirky. It's like, hey, what if we what if we call our production company like uh, to be determined? Uh, <laughs> um, well, this movie has a runtime of 129 minutes, one of the longer offerings we have had up to this point. Uh, yeah. I don't recall what the longest one is, but I ought to look that up sometime I, soon. I want to say the USS Indianapolis one is up there. Yeah, um, I think that one and this one, I think this one ekes it out by just a little bit. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the most part, um, e- even the worst movies have had the sense to cut it off at around 90 <laughs> minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, 110 maybe. Uh, but here we are at a full 120 something. 129 and uh 10 minutes longer than two hours so and it felt like it it had a budget of 57 million dollars and it a box office gross of 62.1 million dollars so just barely in the black putting cage's total of movies in the black at this point seven out of 18 that we have seen thus far so right. I wasn't expecting uh, this movie to bump him up to seven. But, uh, good for him for being almost halfway. <laughs> uh, so reviews for this movie, Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, it's got a 28%. About one in four critics liked it. Audience rating, 50%. About one in two people, in case you don't know what 50% <laughs> means. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that means there was uh, somebody else in the room with me uh, watching it over my shoulder, because I was not the 50% that liked it. Oh, all right. Hey, this movie wasn't that yeah. bad. <laughs> hey, you know what? It was. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the thing that saved this for me is at least, like, the battle scenes and the war scenes, it reminded me of watching good movies, <laughs> like, <laughs> like Saving Private Ryan. My, like, my ears did of perk up. Uh, every time, uh, you know, like a good battle scene started, um, but it kind of made me like yearn for any other battle scene. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for me, the thing that kind of got me is like, this is a lot of like World War Two movies like show kind of similar things where it's like these battles and all yeah. that stuff. 
Well, this was more about like just an occupied city. Yeah, and that was very little to do with like the actual war mm-hmm. part of war. Right. Uh, so like, I thought that was. It was an interesting concept. It was interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting perspective. Maybe not uh, two hours interesting, but... Yeah, uh, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a World War II-related movie that's under two hours, I feel like. Oh, yeah, that's true. It, it, actually, the two longest Cage movies up to this point have both been World War II movies, <laughs> if you guys have noticed, too. So. Uh, and uh. the one drawback, though, of uh, kind of keeping this uh, in a centralized area... Uh, is that there was no sharks in this one. <laughs> true. Um, they might have just not shown the sharks. That's true. They might have cut it down for time, but why yeah. Why cut that part down for time? Well, the Nazis were like the sharks of Europe. Like, <laughs> no, that's true. Sleeping around and like grabbing things and eating them and, yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> liking chum. <laughs> they smell blood and uh, they were in Finding Nemo. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of crossover here. Um, the other thing I will say about this, uh, it's a movie about Italy during World War II, mostly, which is pretty neglected as far as World War II movies I've seen. Almost none of them addressed Italy in that war. Yeah, and then also yeah. it's Italy in Greece, which is another area that we don't really ever see in World War II movies. I mean, you've seen a million ones about D-Day, a million ones about like Okinawa, Iwo yeah. Jima, the Battle of the Bulge and stuff like that. How often do you see stuff like this? So yeah, there was like, a few scenes uh, where I was having a bit of a battle of the bulge myself in this one. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't pass that. Oh, up. you battled yours? Uh, well, I, I, mean, I just went with it. <laughs> it's it was just that they didn't show Christian Bale's ass for long enough. Uh, like when I saw it, I was definitely paying attention, and it was very firm. Uh, and an old man slapped it. Uh, yeah, he did for some reason. <laughs> but, it still uh, confuses me. That's a fun fact. There is video evidence that at one point John Hurt slapped <laughs> Christian Bale on the ass. <laughs> it is out there, and I have seen it. And uh, like Mississippi John Hurt or the other John Hurt, uh, the other John Hurt. But hey, by, uh, by maybe. The, but how much better John would it be if it was Mississippi John Hurt? Hey, maybe that happened too. I choose to believe it did. <laughs> <laughs> by the uh, by the looks of it, that uh, John Hurt Christian Bale's ass. <laughs> uh, Puns. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Shit. Stupid. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, um, just some uh, little trivia notes about this. This is based on a book by Louis de Bernier. I don't know how to pronounce his last Louis name. Louis de Bernier. Yeah, it came, out, came out in the late 90s. Um, I have no info about the book or how closely this resembles the book, except Roger Ebert's review, which says that this did not do a good job of translating the book to the screen. And, uh, Okay, Mr. Ebert. Yeah, um, so this was, uh, yeah, uh, I don't have any information about the book other than this movie and World War II is based on the book, and uh, <laughs> uh, everybody who has read it agrees that uh, it's even less boring than this. I don't, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. <coughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Also, uh, originally this was going to be directed by Roger Mitchell, who is famous for directing let hold on a minute oh roger mitchell yeah uh off the top of my head if i could uh just think of one movie that everybody would know uh sorry i have an itch on my uh, mike i hate to interrupt you but i just want to say this week we are sponsored by nicholas cage as always uh because this is all about him 
And he's not even paying us. We're just doing this anyway. Yeah, yeah. we so do it for him. And he's uh, but what was that? Uh, what were you saying about that movie? So Roger Mitchell, uh, not to be confused with E. Roger Mitchell, actually <laughs> may be the... <laughs> Uh, uh, famous for directing Notting Hill and and uh, Changing Lanes. Oh, yeah. I, f- I totally forgot. I'm glad you guys remember that off the top of your head. Yeah, it's yeah. actually so funny because I was actually uh, changing lanes on the drive here. So uh, <laughs> all, all for him. Um, but so, yeah, basically he was supposed to direct this movie. Um, but then uh, one of the producers was like watching TV late at night and he saw this. <laughs> He saw this guy, uh, saw this guy drawing on the TV screen. Uh, in... <laughs> and you see here, like, you, you, you got the guy was running this way, and, that, and that's not good football. And you got to play some good football if you're going to win football. So you got you to gotta send your guys over this way. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and he thought, wow, this guy calls out plays like that. It's just like in World War II, how a general would call out plays for their soldiers to follow. And, and it's also just like directing, you know, when where the, you're ordering people around. Yeah, the actors were like, okay, where am I supposed to be standing? And he would take out his pad. And it's like and a blue 14, blue 14! <laughs> uh, blue 52 hut um, was the actually working title for this movie. <laughs> um, but they had to uh, put John Madden down. <laughs> so. oh, poor bastard. But um, yeah. Is he still alive? I don't know. <laughs> he, it feels like he should be dead. Uh, no offense to the Madden well, family. Well, they uh, took him out of the Madden games, right? Like I don't know. I don't know. I stopped playing them in like oh, yeah. 2001. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I haven't played one since like 2006. But um, It was never as good as Blitz. True. Blitz the League was the shit. But anyways, Roger Mitchell was going to direct, had a heart attack, couldn't finish it, so John Madden was like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> if I know anything about movies, it's that they're just like football. <laughs> See, the director here, he uh, he went in for a play, but his heart just wasn't in it, so they had to take him out. We're going to put in John Madden here. He had no heart. <laughs> uh, he had no heart uh, because it exploded. Uh, and, and that's not good directing. That is not, you know, one of the first things they tell you in film school is that if you, in fact, want to be a director, um, you should not... Uh, have a heart attack or die uh or like first day they say your heart has to be in it and people usually think that's like just like a saying but no they mean like you literally have to have a good heart there's no metaphors at all because these actors these days they just kind of do whatever they want and it sends you into a rage speaking as a director myself uh for this podcast uh because it's so hard to keep these motherfuckers in line yeah he's always Uh, sitting behind a camera on a folding chair over there for some reason and he has guys on booms hang mics over us, and then he'll occasionally call one over to them so he can talk into it. It's it's not a very effective way to carry out a podcast recording, as far as I'm concerned. But he... well, it's, it's better than the way that we used to do it, where uh, every time I wanted to say something, I had to get up and run over here from my director's chair. Um, True. So I Remember back when but, you used to come up here and just hit the talk back button and then run back down? Oh, uh, that was good times. I was going to say, like, anything would be better than having Engineer Dave. Yeah, I mean, we... We kicked around the idea of uh, sending me up and down the stairs every few minutes, uh, but you know it was just really hard to cut out my heavy breathing when I came back. Yeah. So um, we Speaking did end as up. The editor, it was it was rough. 
There's yeah. a lot of cuts there that you probably don't notice because that's good editing. <laughs> yeah. No, Sorry, no. I was in the other room. What was that? <laughs> Not important. Uh, By the way, can I have like an executive producer credit? Like, because that's a job that doesn't matter, right? There's no actual work for. Yeah, I think executive producers, um, the job, the role they have uh, in making a movie is um, they like order the coffee for everybody who's tired on the set. The worst for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they do. Hey, Zach, I'll have a coffee. <laughs> Yeah, you, got, you, you got to prove your worth first. Oh, uh, yeah, it's on the way. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, can I get one of those? <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? <laughs> Order on the executive producer. Yeah, He's true. just a filthy first engineer. All, <laughs> you got to know your place. <laughs> first of all, you're thinking of a different producer, Dave, that you can order around because it's not this one. So let's get that straight. Sorry, things are all over the place here. And, well, moving on to the... <laughs> Captain Corelli's this, mandolin. To the plot of this film. Okay, we open up and we see John Hurt, famous actor man, famous for having an alien burst through his chest, at least in my opinion. Mr. Johnny. Best role. Uh, he's a doctor in a Greek island near the start of World War II. And uh, Christian Bale is a young lover boy in the town and Penelope Cruz is a young lover girl in the town and she's also the daughter of John Hurt. And they love each other they do and uh so christian bale um famous actor for those who don't know he you might remember christian bale from uh such movies as me in the land of far away um empire of the sun henry v newsies swing kids prince of jutland uh little oh, women that one's my favorite pocahontas uh he played thomas uh portrait of a lady the secret agent Metroland, Velvet Goldmine, uh, all the little animals. These are the movies that we know Christian His Bale. His top top movies. Also, um, um, Christian Bale cusses out Sound Guy on Terminator set. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was actually uh, he played that role in Terminator where he uh, just berated anybody who made eye contact with him. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's that's where we know him from now. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to. Give uh, make sure everyone knows a picture of what this guy looks like. Yeah, yeah. Because no one, no one's seen him. I think didn't he? Didn't he? Did he play like the Riddler? In oh, um, are you an idiot? Okay, so you're thinking uh, of, he was obviously Owl Man. Oh, you're thinking of a Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, <laughs> Shaft, Laurel Canyon. Wait, wait, Rain of Fire. Shaft? He was with the new Shaft. He's or? he's uh no in the 2000 Shaft he plays uh it says uh Shaft and in parentheses blackface. Um, he's in <laughs> Equilibrium, uh, Howl's Moving Castle. He was in Howl's Moving Castle. I did not know that. Damn, Equilibrium. I did not know that either. Um, and so that's probably what you're thinking of, because uh, I don't see any movies about riddles in here. He was in 310 Yuma. Um, in 310. And uh, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, skipping over his last notable movies. Uh, oh, yeah. So. Okay. Well, uh, anyways, uh, Christian Bale, uh, he's, um, you know, Mr. 310 Yuma. Yeah. Uh, he's <laughs> what they call him. in Greece, and Greece is about to go to war with Italy because it's World War II and, you know, fascists History. going around everywhere trying to conquer things. So uh, Greece is fighting Italy, and Christian Bale's going to sign up, but he's going to propose to Penelope Cruz before he leaves. And. Just for the record, guys, I don't know any of their names, but they're all notable actors in this one, actually. Yes. So yeah, I know I know one of their names. Oh yeah, which one? Captain Corelli. Oh shit! Yes, yeah, <laughs> that that was the cheat. About him. Um, 
Wait, yeah, what's his first name? Was it Anthony? Um, or Captain. am I just being an, a racist <laughs> against Italians? It was, it was Captain uh, Soprano. <laughs> it was Captain okay. Corelli. Um, but uh, he he proposes to Penelope Cruz before he leaves and says, "We'll get married when I get back." And then uh, he's like a goofy, super passionate dude who's all about the romance and he's goofing around. And uh, in one scene, he even ties Penelope Cruz to a chair as a prank or something. I didn't really get that. but <laughs> yeah, he, uh, So he ties her to a chair. He throws her uh, in the trunk of his car, drives her about 15 hours um, to the nearest lake, um, tosses her in it, and then uh, eventually pulls her out of the water, uh, resuscitates her, and says, just kidding. <laughs> so, just kidding. By the way, Antonio. <laughs> oh, okay. Was, uh, so right. we're both racist against Italians and correct. Uh, so, <laughs> by the way, I've been noticing this the past few times we've been doing this on IMDb. In all of the movies for Nicolas Cage, he's like all the way at the bottom of the casting. Oh, really? Yeah, like on this one, he's like a main character. Yeah, he's the titular he's, character. He's not even on like no, the, the titular character is the mandolin. Yeah. Okay. That's you know what? That's true. <laughs> Did Where's the, the mandolin, mandolin get higher billing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, he's not even on the like ribbon for it. Like, oh, really? There's people without pictures on there before him. <laughs> what the hell? Like, I have to go into full cast and scroll all the way down to think, find Nicolas Cage. I think IMDb got the memo that we're going to cancel Nicolas Cage. Because oh, yeah. they're trying to scrub him from all the web pages. So, um, after that, you know... Christian Bale leaves off to war. Penelope Cruz is left behind and says, like, promise you'll write me letters. And he's just like smiles and nods and leaves. Yeah, uh, that's, that'll come back. What a dumb fuck. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely tell by the smile that he's thinking, I don't know how to write <laughs> yeah. or read. Yeah, yeah, he's illiterate, but he chooses not to tell her until he's back after the war. <laughs> but um, so a montage of Cruz if she's writing letters to Christian Bale and she's never receiving any in return. She's so worried he's dead. Um, but we're getting news. The Greeks beat back the Italians, and everyone in town is happy. But then the Germans are like, oh, you pussy-ass Italians. We're going to come <laughs> through and like be Nazis here. And the Germans lead a counteroffensive and defeat the Greeks. So they leave Greece in the control of Mussolini's... Uh, fascist Italian government, and the Italian army comes to occupy the city, where we meet Mr. Cage, who is Captain Corelli, and possesses the titular mandolin. <laughs> and, uh, let me tell you something. It's definitely a stringed instrument. This mandolin. It certainly That's is. That's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> I believe it's also tuned in fifths. Yes. And, um, um, uh, each, each string is doubled. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he... Dave, you played in a band with a mandolin. <laughs> Talk about mandolins for a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is Dave from R.E.M., um, <laughs> who uh, was the first man to take a mandolin and plug it into a computer and make it sound like a rock mandolin. So, <laughs> Rock mandolin. <laughs> hey, that's a new movie we can make. <laughs> Captain Crowley's thinking... <laughs> rock mandolin, the sequel. Yeah, I'm... Uh... Look, I'm, uh, I don't want to talk about these movies. I'd rather make a movie <laughs> about a rock mandolin than talk about this movie. I will say, his entrance, where you first see Captain Corelli or whatever, where he's, like, marching in the streets, 
And he just sees this lady on the side. And he's like, hey, every man in my battalion, yeah. go flirt with this lady. Yeah, he's like, hey, everyone, beautiful lady on the right. And they all turn and salute <laughs> her and like like bow a little bit and then continue walking. It's it's a little weird. It reminds yeah, they all you get that... in line and she bends over and it's very, <laughs> very suggestive. Yeah. It reminds me of those times that like you're with your friends and you're like, hey, nobody look, but that girl is like, looking at me so that all your friends look at once mm-hmm. it seemed like that kind of scene but in, yeah. in, instead of your friends looking it was an entire army <laughs> yeah. of people um but anyways so uh cage is he's a captain in the italian army he leads a small battalion the italian battalion <laughs> so uh, copyright that yeah i will he is the mortar team oh yep Yep, mortars and artillery. Not that that matters. It yeah, really doesn't. The, it never really comes into play. <laughs> well, I, I think it's it's like a it's a symbolic thing because he's on the mortar team. Uh, Christian Bale's on the brick team, and it's like uh, oh. brick versus mortar type of thing. Oh, I see. And it turns out he's the mortar, much like it does in a wall that holds everything together. And yeah, uh, and uh, well, much like a mortar, he uh, explodes, <laughs> explodes and blasts all over Penelope Cruz. So, yeah. um, so, so, uh, Cage walks up to the Greek government of the city and he's like, Hey, you're gonna surrender to me, right? And his accent does sound kind of like that. Nick yeah. is very close <laughs> for, for the record. Nick is not. Uh, doing an offensive Italian accent. He's doing a very true to this movie Italian <laughs> accent. Yep. And uh, the Greeks are like, no, we're not surrendering to you. You guys, we beat you in a battle. We'll surrender to the Germans when they're here. And uh, oh. I, I will say, I think this was probably like the best scene in this movie. Yeah. But it's like, like they scene. hand him a note and he reads it. It's just like, Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it says fuck off. And, and then he's like, what? And then they hand him another letter and it says, since you do not understand the meaning, like, uh, we defeated the Italian army in battle uh, and we're only forced to surrender by the Germans. We will only surrender to a high ranking German officer. So you can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, it was a good scene. And then but, he, he rips off his mask and he's actually Hitler. So they all surrendered to him. <laughs> yep. And, uh, it makes me think, though, like, did shit like that happen in, like, the real world at all? Where oh, they're yeah. just like, fuck you yeah. to their faces? I mean, uh, anything's possible. Uh, if uh take a good hard look at the White House right now. <laughs> so, I don't want to get into that, though. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I, and, uh, okay. So, uh, just a quick reminder, I did watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that is not a lie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Cage calls a bunch of uh, countries shitholes. And uh, no, but. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he drains the swamp. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. I think this is the part where we can skip ahead because that was the most interesting scene of this movie. Yeah. And the rest of it is just boring. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Everyone in Cage's battalion is a member of the Opera Society, and they've all got to play an instrument and sing. They've never seen battle before, so they're just soldiers who are like a barbershop quartet. Yeah, and... <laughs> Except there's a hundred of them, so it's a barbershop centet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody... Uh, I might be remembering this scene wrong, but if anybody like shows up while they're singing, Nicolas Cage is like, hey, you better do fucking start singing, or 
get out. Mm-hmm. He's like super weirdly serious about <laughs> or it. Or I'll ask you, is this poetry? And stick my hand in your crotch. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stopped singing. <laughs> um, so uh, the officers in the town are being housed in the locals' homes because, you know, that was a common thing in wartime. I think it still kind of is sometimes. But uh, so Cage ends up being housed in John Hurt and Penelope Cruz's home. And uh, he, he's really friendly and all like goofy and laughing and singing all the time and playing his mandolin. Yeah, and then they're like, you are an man. occupying army. We don't want you here. <laughs> very understandably. And he's like, hey, but we can sing and I can play this mandolin. <laughs> yeah, they're generally like. Uh, and eventually they're like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you here? We don't want you here. And then he whips out his mandolin and they're like, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Christian Bale comes back from the war and uh, wanders into their house. And then Penelope Cruz is like, oh, you're back. And he's like, why didn't you answer my letters? And he's like, I, I'm illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read or write. And he's real beaten up. And uh, Dr. John Hurt uh, fixes him up. And then he's like, kind of like. Uh, hey, I'm gonna go join the resistance because I don't like these occupying Italians here. Which, yeah, he has a New York accent just when he says Italians, <laughs> but, uh, just just Italians, you. and when he says that he's walking here. Yeah. I didn't fully understand why he had to walk all the way there. I don't either. Like, why couldn't he just come home other ways? <laughs> Maybe he, like, defected from the army and was trying to hide or something. But then why would he join the resistance? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's... I, feel like they, you know, I was the, very confused on his, like, where was he? He was and, like, honorably discharged, and they dropped him off about 30 miles from his house, <laughs> and he had to walk all the way back. It may, but or, they live on an island. <laughs> yeah, yeah how did he walk there? That's a good question. <laughs> See, that's not their problem. Uh, it was just... I don't know. That movie... It was so weird, and... I forgot where I was going at the beginning of the sentence, and now I'm just kind of rambling. <laughs> well, I'll take over for you. So I got this. I got no. Penelope Cruz is getting progressively more and more annoyed with uh, Nicolas Cage because of his singing and instrument playing, and yeah, she just wants that dick so just, bad. She's not getting it. <laughs> so she yells at him, and he's like, "Why are you? You're so happy, and you're always singing, and everyone around you is." dying and this land is being destroyed it's a war stop singing and being happy and he's like there are always reasons to sing even when you're sad and uh i'm going to go now because you don't like me and i'm a nice fascist occupying the city (laughs) (laughs) and leaves and uh so we get a lot of like scenes of like the italians hosting parties in town because you know occupying armies usually host parties for yeah they throw the best ragers yeah they're basically trying to show like hey italians are nice guys yeah like hey yeah we're we're uh, you know uh unwanted here but uh we're gonna make it the best for everyone involved this is one complaint i'm gonna have to level against this movie a little bit they tried to make it seem like the italians were great and did no wrong and like yeah they didn't commit atrocities quite like the nazis did no but, one can commit atrocities quite like the Nazis. Nobody can. Like that's uh, <laughs> that's that's a whole new level of atrocity. But uh, just look up Italian fascist war crimes on Wikipedia, and you'll find a long page of things that they did to. And even in Greece, like I don't know, they killed something like 110,000 civilians and like burned a shitload of buildings. They had like, a knife. It, <laughs> yeah. 
it wasn't all fun in games. Like, um, uh, well, you know, at uh, least uh, in between all the, you know, light genocide, they got a little bit of singing in. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think the problem was they didn't have standard issue mandolins. No, it's true. Right. If they gave everyone a mandolin or like you know a guitar, it would have been non-stop, non-stop parties. Yeah, I don't want to get too hippy dippy on you, but if we replaced every gun in the army and the uh, marine with a guitar or a mandolin, mm-hmm. or a so drum, then the navy would take over, and the coast guard would kill everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah, it's were... a delicate balance of power between the four <laughs> branches. They're all trying to destroy the country that they're defending. And... Imagine if World War II, uh, instead of a war, had been more of a battle of the bands type of thing. Now that's a movie. Oh, revisionist history, where each country is a different band. Right? I like it. I like it. So like, uh... and the U.S. is the uh, like halfway through the movie, they're the surprise uh, entry. Yeah. yeah, and then they fucking. Drop a bomb on one of the bands. Yeah. <laughs> they just murdered the Japanese they, metal band. <laughs> they slaughtered this opposing band. Uh, they, and actually, the first time they only like slaughtered half of them. They're like, "Please, no, stop! We surrender!" And yeah. they were like, nope, "We got another one." <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What would give you less respect for us if we stop now, or if we didn't finish the job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the, the, the German band shot themselves. And like, um, uh, but anyways. USA! USA! Um, so, Cage, in one of the parties, Cage writes a song for Penelope Cruz on his mandolin and plays it in front of everybody, and he's like, this is Penelope Cruz's song. And uh, she's just like, gets up and runs away, and then he the next day shows up and he says, I wrote that song because I love you. And then she's just like, no. And then he's like, but I do. And then they kiss and have sex. (laughs) And, uh, and then they're in love. I will say (laughs) this is throwing a kink in my, uh, all Nicolas Cage movie with boobs are bad movie Mm -hmm. or idea because this movie wasn't terrible. Yeah. And it had boobs. Yeah, I've seen worse movies, and it did have a decent amount of boobies. Like, on the beach, when the Italians yeah. were hanging out with a bunch of girls who all had their tops off and were running around. And we saw some Penelope Cruz boobies. Yeah, and we the, saw some Christian Bale booty. That was uh, actually the funniest part, when the Nazis ran over when they were on the beach. And they were like, you just came over to see the girls. So that's the <laughs> accent they were using, because nobody could act. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... Uh, and then John Hurt asks Cruz, he's like, do you love Christian Bale? And then she's like, yeah. And he's like, no, I think you love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and, and she's just like, uh, no, it's Christian Bale. And he's like, look, look, I know you like that cage, man. You can just get with the cage, but you just have to act honorably towards Bale and his family. And then uh, she's like, okay. So news comes in that Italy has fallen to the allies and uh, Italy's out of the war now. So the whole Italian battalion hearing that they have lost the war and that their cities are being occupied by a foreign army (laughs) cheer (laughs) because and celebrate because they're all good guy fascists and they're going to go home. They're, they're real happy that they're going to go home, which I mean, I guess I could understand. Even if you lose the war, you get to go home. It's better than, you know, occupying a city and singing all day. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who you are. <laughs> it's the lighter side of fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Except Cage 
Cage is the only one who doesn't celebrate. He seems disappointed because his new love is here and he just gets to play music all day or, and he's never had to fight ever. Or he just loves his country. Oh, yeah, that too. That could, maybe that maybe be that's it. it. It's a, I mean, that's a common thread amongst fascists, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they find out from the Italian command in the area that they're going to be surrendering all of their weapons to the German forces and returning home. And they're all a little bit like, hey... We surrendered to the Allies, not to the Germans. Why are we giving them our weapons? And they're like, because the Germans are saying we have to. And they're like, well, all right, but uh, fuck you. I don't like your decision. And, uh, and they actually, they wrote fuck you on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> so afterwards, Christian Bale is like, talks to Penelope Cruz and he's like, I want to meet with Nicolas Cage. And then she organizes a meeting and he's like, give us, the local resistance, give us all your weapons so we can fight the Germans. And then Cage is like, well, I don't think I can do that because they're going to keep track of all of our weapons. And then he's like, well, just just do it. And then Cage is like, uh, okay, I'll think about it. Then, as the Italian army is just marching somewhere, uh, before the deadline where they have to hand over their weapons, which is supposed to happen the next day, some Germans stop the Italians in the road and say, like, you got to hand over all your weapons now. And uh, Cage is like, okay, start handing them over. And they all start tossing them in a pile. And one Italian soldier looks at a Nazi and he's just like, I'll give you my gun when I'm done with my cigarette. And they all just stare at him. And then he, he takes one more drag and then throws it at a Nazi. And a scuffle breaks out. And then the Nazis just open fire and kill like six Italian soldiers. And, There's actually uh, a, a deleted scene, uh, like an extended version of this scene, where uh, it shows him... Uh, smoke the cigarette for five straight minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Holding up the line. Dead silence. Uh, and then he flicks it. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the deleted scene where the Nazis round up those six uh, guys that they shot in the regular version, but instead they just break their legs and put a big basket on their head and pour bees into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That actually... Uh, Direct inspiration for the Wicker Man, too, yeah, actually. It was crazy. I, Nicholas yeah. Cage was like, I was always sad that the scene got cut. Let's put it in this one. And then, and then they cut it. It got cut again. <laughs> and, um, so after that, Cage decides, like, yeah, fuck them Nazis. We're going to give the Greek resistance weapons, and I'm going to join them and fight them. So they do that. And uh, this is something I learned from watching this movie. I didn't realize there actually were, once the Italians surrendered, some fights between Italian soldiers and German soldiers. Um, Particularly, actually, after uh, Mussolini got ousted by the Allied government, um, they installed a new government, which, in order to show its support, not for a fascist regime, uh, declared war on Germany. So, I mean, that's an interesting thing. The war lasted for, like, like a month between them before the, uh, Italy just left the war completely, but... It oh, shit, happen. we're losing? Uh, switch teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, best war, short and sweet. Or... Really, really long. No in between. But uh, the Italian and Greek soldiers then begin uh, attacking the incoming German forces that are coming in to occupy the city once the Italians leave, and there's just a huge fight. And uh, in the, it's kind of a cool battle scene. It's got some decent stuff yeah. going on, and they all have like period accurate material or weapons and uniforms. It was, it was all, it was well done, well researched at least. I. I thought it was kind of cool, but it only lasts like five minutes, and then we go back to, um... Well, in the fight, Cage and several of his Italian soldiers are captured. They're all rounded up by the Germans, 
and uh, just gun down. Uh, the pri- they shoot all the prisoners, except in the middle of it, one of the other Italians just hugs Nicolas Cage because he's like, Captain Corelli, I love you and your mandolin. <laughs> and, and, uh, and the bullets definitely don't go through him at all. Yeah. Well, they, they go through him, but not all the way through him. It's just like, you know, Cage gets shot a little bit, but not enough to kill him. So uh, it hits him right in the uh, vocal cords, so he can't uh, sing along with the mandolin anymore. Yeah, so. and they break his fingers, ruin his beautiful voice. Not my fingers, <laughs> you bitches! <laughs> you bitches! Christian Bale finds Nicolas Cage dying uh, there because he's going through, I guess, surveying the aftermath, and he takes him back to John Hurt to help him. They stabilize him, and they use strings from his mandolin to bind his broken bones together, I guess. I don't know why I took a note of that. It was like the mandolin saved him or something. I figure it's thematically relevant or something somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh... It's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, the German soldiers begin rounding up the Greeks who have been housing wounded Italian soldiers and resistance members, and they're just shooting people. So, uh, Cage escapes beforehand with Christian Bale. Wait, are the Nazis the bad guys? Mm, you never would have thought that, would you? But <laughs> it, it's yeah, They had I, that one German guy with him who was having fun. So. Yeah, and he, like, he was like, yeah, I like boobies, and I didn't kill Captain Corelli, even though I should have. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like the movie did a good job of uh, making the Nazis seem, uh, you know, lighthearted <laughs> and fun, you know? <laughs> They yes. had face paint on when they shot all those uh, yeah, civilians. Like, hey, we like naked girls, too. <laughs> yeah, and then... And they, they had I mean, that scene where the Nazi finally breaks down and starts singing with them all, and they all applaud and stare at the Nazi smiling, and it's like, yay, singing Nazis. Yeah, if, if we actually... Time, time for Hitler and Germany, too. Yeah, um. there was... Uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage was singing, um, the Nazis were singing the only... The only singer I can think of that was missing. Uh, <laughs> there think, is one think, particular singer who was absent. They neglected to cast uh, a, a man by the name of Brian Singer. Brian Singer? <laughs> uh, well, and, yeah. there weren't any children in this movie, so there was yeah. one young girl who they saved from persecution by the Nazis, which I didn't mention because it wasn't really that relevant, but... And uh, that was a burn on Zach who said, I don't know how we're going to bring up Brian. (laughs) Nailed it. End episode. Cut. I don't even talk about the other movie. (laughs) What other movie? So, um. Was I supposed to stop it there? No, 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 no. (laughs) Okay, when I say cut, you cut. Um, All right, I'll start rolling again. Oh, God damn it. Let's talk about Captain Corelli's mandolin. So, so just Madden. <laughs> so at the end of that movie, um, Christian Bale helps Nicolas Cage escape on a small boat that takes him back home. And uh, shortly after, Cruz gives her ring back to Christian Bale and says, like, I don't love you. I'm calling off the marriage. Sorry, bro. And he's like, sucks oh. to suck. Yeah. And he's like, OK, I will leave now crying. And then she's crying. And it's maybe it's sad. I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel human sad? emotions. I, I, <laughs> Um, I do sometimes, but I didn't feel it here. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so, cut to 1947. Penelope Cruz is training to be a doctor, and she receives a record in a package from Italy, and it's the song Cage wrote from her. So apparently when he went back to Italy, he got a record deal and started recording. So uh, <laughs> Good hey, for him. Yeah, good for him. 
Well, and he's then, part mandolin now. Yeah, part man, part mandolin. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he got a um, Ash from the Evil Dead style uh, mandolin on his arm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's actually harder for him to play. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot harder because he, he, you need two hands to play the instrument, and one of his hands is the <laughs> instrument. So it's, yeah. He's it's, been trying with his dick i think and it's he's not as good i will say that but but it is a spectacle to watch it mm. truly is and his passion is always with him yeah. so that's kind of inspiring so then right after that there's an earthquake that destroys their home for some reason it doesn't really need to be there it did actually happen there is a historical earthquake that hit greece in 1947 but uh I... wasn't it the earthquake in 1953 maybe i don't recall and this uh, earthquake was, in fact, initiated by the Nazis. Um, they played um, Panama by Van Halen really loud <laughs> um, on their speakers until um, the ground beneath the Greeks exploded. Um, and that is a historical fact. Oh, yeah. Not it is. Vamping. Sorry. It is 1953. You were correct. Mm, nailed my earthquake facts. <laughs> hey, we found the timeline worked. <laughs> we found the one thing Zach knows. Oh, I'm just, I'm just kidding, buddy. I love you so much, and you're smarter than me. So. <laughs> but uh, the earthquake—it did happen in reality. I think that the movie didn't need to put that in because it kind of no, felt random not, and unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, in some celebration that's happening afterwards. After the earthquake destroyed a bunch of people's homes. I don't yeah, know don't, worry, don't worry about it. People <laughs> celebrate uh, at some awkward times in this movie. Yes. And uh, Cage shows up and uh, he walks up to Penelope Cruz and he's like, I tried living without you and I couldn't. And she's like, well, that's awesome because we can live together now. And they, they, <laughs> Why? <laughs> they have a moment and the movie ends. And uh, the that's war it. Ended. <laughs> the, the war ended. Um, and if you'll recall, um, when the movie starts, she's actually in a uh, relationship with another man, uh, mm -hmm. played by Christian Bale, who you might remember from uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. You already uh, said that one. Shaft. You said um, that one. Captain yeah. Corelli's Mandolin. Oh, oh, that's what I recognize him from. Oh. Laurel Canyon, Reign of Fire, Equilibrium. The Dark... No, that is... 310 Yuma. And... Uh, <laughs> He, 310 I mean, Yuma, I think, is his big one. And, uh, yeah. And uh, that's the movie where he famously got the super firm buttocks that he was displaying in this film. So Even though I think it came out well after it this came out. <laughs> it came out chronologically after, yes. Um, but, but in terms of his life, he found a time machine and uh, yeah. some weird shit happened. He's got this. a real chipped ass. It's very nice. Sorry. So, See, it's funny because chipped ass, and in the beginning of the movie, he is shot with rocks in his butt. And then somebody puts a bunch of dip in his butthole and eats it with chips. <laughs> um, so, overall thoughts on the movie. Uh, I, it was better than I was expecting, honestly. Because when I yeah. first heard the name Captain Corelli's Mandolin, I was kind of thinking of like some magical fantasy land type thing that I thought was going to be kind of cool, and it, it would have like cool like Alice in Wonder style land visuals. And yeah, I was it sounds like, like okay. a Jim Henson production of some kind. Uh... <laughs> then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, it's a romance movie starring Nicolas Cage. This doesn't sound like it's going to be good. And then, so my hopes 
got lowered, and then I watched it, and I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised. It wasn't that bad. And, yeah, uh, like it, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been worse. Um, it was an interesting World War II movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no like, sharks, but interesting. Yeah. Definitely too long. <laughs> it does kind of paint over fascist war crimes with, it's okay, they were all singing. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's a well, decent movie, though. Well, I think the the point of the movie was to say how the soldiers fighting in war aren't yeah. always the evil that they, they are fighting the for. Evil. Yep. And uh, and it was kind of like a love story, and putting any of that stuff in would have kind of I love away you. From the Hold movie. on, let me go murder some kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It could, uh, yeah, it wasn't entirely relevant to the story they were trying to tell. No, I'll yeah. Say that. So, um, yeah, and uh, I actually forgot to read a few of the uh, fun facts slash trivia I had about this one. So it is um, the worst thing that's ever happened to me, um, <laughs> and it is used by torturers to suck the life out of anybody who watches it. Yeah, usually <laughs> I believe how they do the torture with this movie is they put it on and then they cut off part of your ear. Yes, they... Oh, yeah. As they, as they do ear. in the next film we'll watch, this film made a cameo on a TV screen <laughs> in a torture scene. <laughs> yes, and that is what we call a great segue. Aha. Which is not the thing that Paul Bartlett Blart Road. I fucked that up. I'm, that is what we call a bad segue. Yeah, I really wish Nicolas Cage was. <laughs> Please in don't Blart cut that. <laughs> I'm cutting it. Uh, anyways, I think we're gonna take a short break and then we'll be back to you with the dying of the light. Or actually, there's no the with dying of the light. Dying. Dying of the light. Dying of the Light. Um, yes. Uh, me and Earl and the Dying Light. And uh, Dying of the Light came out in 2014, was rated R, and was directed by Paul Schrader. This director, Dr. Schrader, mm-hmm. um, actually has made a great movie recently, uh, First Reformed. It's the one with, uh, what is it, Ethan Hawke? like a priest and then he's like uh having an uh, existential crisis about the environment and they're like uh well i'm not gonna spoil the end but it's a great movie uh i haven't seen that movie and i don't know if that was a bit or <laughs> not a bit uh okay. i i know my uh my tone never changes uh but that uh i did think it was a little overrated everybody was like it was the fucking best movie of 2018 but it, i didn't think it was that but it was it was really good uh, the um, only movies I saw in 2018 were, what was it? Oh, uh, A Quiet Place, good. Hereditary, good great. Love Hereditary. Hereditary is amazing. Um, and uh, Quiet Place sucks. So, but... Sorry to Bother You, oh, yeah. which was awesome. You didn't like A Quiet Place? Um, I just thought uh, that Jim uh, looking into the camera the whole time was a little bit distracting. Um, well, he had to look into his face so that you know it was a goof. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I was uh, I went into that movie expecting um, it to be very quiet, but I saw it in the theater, and there was someone uh, eating chips really loudly the whole time, uh, and it was me, so... <laughs> oh, I see. Um, uh, when I went to see that movie, we bought 
uh, like a pizza and had drinks and everything. And I think that was the slowest I've ever eaten food at the theater. Because it was like, can't make a noise, can't make a noise, can't make a noise. <laughs> Crunch. Because <laughs> then the monster would come after you. Yeah. Right. Um, and by monster, you mean Brian Singer. <laughs> yeah. 2018 wasn't a year where I saw a lot of movies for some reason. Well, you saw uh, well, I saw a lot one. of older movies that year, but yeah, Hereditary? Yeah. Or Sorry to Bother You? Hereditary. Oh, Hereditary was great. I Sorry to Bother You has not been seen by enough people, and that's a great movie. People should watch it. It's, it's on Hulu, movie. and I keep meaning to watch it, but yeah, I've been watch watching it. Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you especially should watch it, you fucking capitalist pig. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Love you. Uh, so, oh uh, yeah, the trivia. Sorry, were we doing? Did we skip over the trivia? I, 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 I had the trivia. Did open. we even say the name of the movie? Uh, it was it was Dying of the Light, oh, okay. and, uh, directed by the guy who directed First Reformed, uh, and that is probably the only good movie he has directed, and that does include this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> the production companies were Red Granite Pictures, Grindstone Entertainment Group, um. So I, I, I assume that grindstone is made of red granite and uh, accurately watching this movie is kind of like grinding at work. <laughs> it's, uh, it's rough. Runtime of 94 minutes, budget of $5 million, could not find a box office gross for this movie. So I'm going to say it we are the first not. people to have seen it, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That gonna, could be true. Yeah, I'm going to guess since they didn't even release the box office gross numbers, that uh, it's not in the black. I'm not going to put it in the confirmed in the black ones. It's, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't. I would say this movie made probably between zero and $15. <laughs> um, here's, here's a little fun trivia fact, though. Of that $5 million budget, $1 million of that was just Cage's salary. So Yes, and... Uh, as we know from watching this movie, there is no one else who could have played this character. <laughs> uh, so definitely worth uh, taking 20% of the budget and tossing it Cage's way. Well, apparently they wanted Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford was the original lead. And I think uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, the dude who did Drive. I thought um, you just made up a name on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he he did uh, Drive and friggin. Uh, I haven't seen Drive, but I've heard it's really good, and I want to watch that. I like actually he his most recent one is called uh, The Neon Demon. I like that one a little bit better. Mm. And then he has one other one called Only God Forgives, which is about like, uh, well, let's just say Brian Singer probably gets off to it. Oh. <laughs> um, but he was uh, supposed to direct it, I think, because um, Harrison Ford and Channing Tatum were supposed to be the leads instead of. Cage and uh, Anton Yelchin, respectively. Um, but I guess there was like some uh, editing uh, in post production that like fucked with Schrader's oh, yeah. vision. The, the, uh, I guess the movie was taken by the studio and re edited without the input of the director, the crew, or any of the actors and yeah. just completely cut in a way that none of them were satisfied with. And yeah. um, so it could have originally been a good movie. Mm -hmm. uh, not to spoil uh, that this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah uh, well, he, he, here's a thing. Tomato meter, 9%. Audience score, 15%. Not well liked. I'm actually. surprised it got 15%. <laughs> yeah. This time, I am the 15%. This movie sucked, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, we watch a lot of bad movies on this podcast, but, like, some of them are, like... That good bad where it's like this was 
terrible, but I love it because mm-hmm. it's just so over the top and hilarious. Yeah. This is one of those where it's like, this is bad. Why does this exist? Yeah, yeah. this didn't have, uh, you know, any like outbursts uh, by Cage that could have uh, saved it, really. Which is weird because he has dementia. Yeah, like he, they, there was <sighs> yeah, and prime opportunity for some outbursts, but yeah, they gave him like some angry lines, but they never let him go full like cage. cage yeah, you know, yeah, I mean? it definitely felt like they he had was him back caged. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And as we learned from G Force, he doesn't like cages. Yeah, because he does say it. G Force gang. <laughs> um. But yeah, so shall we go into the plot summary that somehow um, I felt like it was moving a million miles a minute, but also there was nothing happening and no action. <laughs> like, yeah, it was uh, yeah. there was a lot of uh, whiplash. Yeah, there uh, was a lot of this. information being thrown at you that I couldn't really even keep up with. But, but at like, the same none time, of it was really relevant. Yeah, none of it mattered in any way. <laughs> yeah, like um, like going into this movie when you read like the description of it where it's like a cia agent is like going rogue after this his arch nemesis it's like oh this is gonna be sweet like yeah this will be a cool little cia spy thriller thing yeah nope (laughs) not at all yeah and there were so many points in the movie uh where i really thought it was gonna start getting interesting uh but then it was like gotcha (laughs) (laughs) like oh we got your interest and now we're gonna throw it right back away yeah uh, but yeah, so uh, in this movie, we open on Cage being interrogated and tortured by a Muslim guy named Muhammad Benir. And uh, there's really, I don't know, it's just beating the shit out of him. And then we cut to him and it's 22 years later and he's giving speeches at the CIA and working a desk job. Oh, yeah, beating the shit out of him, but also mutilating his ear. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They snip his ear with some ear clippers yeah honestly that whole part really didn't need to be in the movie at all i felt like (laughs) the only reason it's worth bringing up is because um we've had several like nicholas cage prosthetic noses and this time we had a prosthetic ear it's true and a scene where he's like wearing a prosthetic ear over Over his prosthetic ear that's true that was cool (laughs) when he takes it off and i'm like oh look at that prosthetic i will say when this movie started and like the you you see like it keeps flashing between that torture and like him driving a car in the future and like he had a, a fucked up car yeah <laughs> <laughs> a car in the future <laughs> but like he had the fucked up ear and i was like did something happen to nick cage's like ear that i don't know about mm-hmm. like i i didn't know it was a fake for the first few minutes and i was like oh shit i gotta look up what happened to nicholas cage <laughs> yeah he was in a uh freak uh dinosaur bone accident <laughs> um, <laughs> She bought a stolen uh, stegosaurus and it collapsed on just his ear. Oh, okay. Now I'm caught up. But yeah, his uh, his little his prosthetic ear. We we find that out a little bit later in another flashback that it, he got his ear cut with like tin snips or something yeah. during the torture process. And but um, so Cage after he gives his speech about like why are you here? Why are you working at the CIA? This fucking place sucks. It's because you love America. That's why <laughs> his speech is weird. I don't understand yeah. why they hired him to say that. But he, um, he says, and I quote, you have your head so far up Obama's ass. All you can see is shit. 
he does in fact say that. <laughs> and uh, so after his speech, he's meeting with one of his superiors, and he says, like, uh, he wants to work in the field again. He's got skills better utilized in the field than not at this desk job. And he's just like, yeah, you're too old. You should just take this money and build towards your retirement. And, and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so cut to the police in Romania in a scene that I'm pretty sure was supposed to have subtitles but did not. And uh, uh, they're chasing some guy. And he gets cornered or trapped on a bridge. And he throws, like, his keys over the bridge and just jumps into the water and kills himself. Guy's yeah. dead. There is a, there's a mysterious flash drive that you see on his keys as he's throwing it over the bridge. Oh, yeah. By the way, like, he tossed those keys, I'm assuming, into the water, right? Yeah. How did they just find these keys right away? Don't know. Uh, they, they tossed, he tossed the keys in the water, then jumped after the keys. They end up with the keys and presumably not the body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Um. So then, uh, cut back to America, the <coughs> land of the free, <laughs> unlike yeah. this damn Romania. <laughs> and uh, Cage is at his doctor's office, and he finds out that he has fronto frontotemporal dementia. I believe it was. <coughs> yeah, it's some kind of dementia that is not Alzheimer's, but that was very clear. But, yeah, um, it's uh, and by the way, he's like constantly rubbing his forehead. Uh, it's it's all concentrated in that area, yeah. and it stings. Yeah, it stings. <laughs> he just gotta hit it because you know there's all those nerve endings in the brain. It feels a lot of pain when it's deteriorating, right? I, uh, anatomy joke: your brain actually doesn't feel any pain. Um, Fun it, fact: it did when I was watching this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought it was funny when uh, he's like, well. Maybe I shouldn't get into it yet, but when he's like explaining his affliction to Anton Yelchin, he the whole time he's like, it looks like he's feeling physical pain in his forehead. He's like, I'm losing. It's all it's in here and it's coming out. Yeah. I was like, OK, we get it. You, you have a book that says dementia on it. That's what yeah. to say. But uh, because of his his uh, dementia, he'll have bursts of anger. It's a symptom yeah. of it. And uh unreliable sensory perception and like little jitters let's so, send this guy on a secret spy mission <laughs> yeah. uh so apparently uh cage has been hiding this from his superiors and he's been adopting a false identity and flying out of the state to some random doctor like 150 miles away to uh get get info about this because he doesn't want the rest of the cia to know about this because he thinks they'll make him retire which spoiler alert they will but before <laughs> they we find out that they find out we find out that the guy who tortured cage long ago Mohammed banir has been thought to be dead for like 22 years yeah. and uh cage always thought he was alive and uh, has been looking for him for these last 22 years and uh, then he finds evidence that the guy is alive and it's all related to some Type of hereditary anemia that they know his father died of and that he probably has too because of that and they're finding drugs for this being shipped around anyways there's a lot of information regarding that that gets thrown at you throughout the plot all you yeah. really need to know is that muhammad banir is dying of anemia and that's how they caught him <laughs> and they got him so they, they intercepted the doctor <laughs> They present he presents that to the director of the CIA and then the director of the CIA is like, oh, he's alive, is he? Well, we found out 
because we're the fucking CIA and you were trying to hide things from us. We found out that you have dementia and we're going to have you retire, buddy. And uh, yeah, I think you're just going crazy here. Yeah, yeah. Veneer's dead. Or veneer, not veneer. But, um. Come on, you, you got a rotten brain, you stupid idiot. <laughs> So uh, then we cut to Mohammed Benir, who is very much alive. <laughs> and Turns out he is, in fact, alive and is that dying guy in the chair. Yeah, he, he's dying in a chair and he needs anemia meds. He's living in Kenya now, I believe. And uh, As in Kenya, get me some medicine. Yeah. Hey. But and also the African country of Kenya. Yeah, but, the, yeah. And... Um, uh, there's a Romanian doctor named Julian, or Julian, as they always say. Uh, Assange. Uh, Cornell, who has been supplying him with the meds. And uh, so, one of Cage's co-workers decides to keep working with Cage, even though Cage at this point has been expelled from the CIA for his dementia and will not be working there anymore. And his co-worker stands to gain absolutely nothing from this relationship, uh, but does it anyway. Yep, nothing at all. In fact, only stands to lose his job. <laughs> yeah. uh, if he wanted to get fired, he chose a really convoluted way of getting there. So <laughs> That involves him getting shot eventually. But, uh, so Cage and his co-worker decide to fly to Romania and investigate and meet with a contact that Cage has there, which I don't really remember how that lady, his lady contact got introduced, but... She wasn't really that relevant anyways. No. Yeah, that, <laughs> um, they throw in some like love interest thing like on the side. Yeah. That, Why? I don't know. It's never relevant and uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we see there that Cage is having his outburst of anger at dinner when they tell him he can't smoke in the restaurant. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. Let me check. Oh, yeah, I am in Romania. This whole fucking country is a smoking section. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to smoke cigarettes. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, and he's, he's, he's like, I got dementia. I forgot how to not smoke. <laughs> yeah. Again, let's send this guy on a secret spy mission. <laughs> so yeah, his contact there is an old flame. He gives him a ki- gives her a kiss. They talk about stuff. It's all stuff you've heard before already, and but also feels like it's confusing still. <laughs> like, so, yeah, because um, they keep like putting it in like different ways to say the same things over and over again so it's like oh you're getting something new and then you're like oh wait did i already know this wait what were they talking about (laughs) but yeah uh they go to meet with that doctor dr cornell who is supplying veneer with the anemia drugs and they find out from him that he's meeting with the guy who represents veneer uh whose name was like doesn't matter hasim (laughs) yeah um and uh, that the doctor's wife and family were threatened, and that's what's making the doctor cooperate. So they're like, okay, give us your passport. We're going to pose as you and go there. So he gives them their passport, and um, they go to meet with the guy who's going to give the doctor the money for payment. And um, somehow he spots them right away and starts <laughs> running off. Which I find is a hilarious scene because like, these are CIA secret agents or whatever. And they go to the drop-off point, but they're, like, a little ways away at a park bench or whatever, or a table. Mm-hmm. And they're just staring at the guy. Yeah, like, the just, whole, the not breaking eye contact at all. So, like, the dead. guy looks over and sees them staring at him. Yeah. It's like, obviously, they're going to know. Like, you couldn't 
have a newspaper in front of your face. Yeah, yeah just be a, a newspaper that less... says we are not CIA. Yeah. <laughs> Something a little less obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um so he runs off and uh Cage's coworker who stands to gain nothing, who's played by the late Anton Yelchin. Chekhov. Mr. Chekhov. Uh he runs on, runs off after him, and uh, just fucking kills the guy. Yeah, just straight <laughs> up. Murders I him. was a little bit like, I mean, you're not here on like official CIA business. Like, also, they're not in America. <laughs> yeah, they're not in America. They're just fucking killing people. <laughs> like this uh, guy just uh, really wants to fucking kill somebody, <laughs> and he succeeds. By gosh, he found an excuse to do it. <laughs> he did. So. uh... Then they go back and talk to Cage's lady contact who and tell her their plan. They get uh they get Yelchin, Mr. Chekhov, they get him a Kenyan visa for his regular passport, and then they get a visa for uh Kate for Dr. Cornell's Cornell. passport, who Cage is now posing as, and they give him some makeup to put on him. And yeah, so basically they say, uh, does Nicholas Cage look anything like Dr. Cornell? No. Can we make him look a little bit like Dr. Cornell, not really, <laughs> but we're going to try. Yep. So they put a beard and an ear on him. <laughs> yeah, and then let's have him do a bad accent. <laughs> oh, yes. That's that the return of uh, the Nicolas Cage bad accent, in case you hadn't rinsed it from your mouth yet from watching <laughs> Captain Corelli's Mandolin. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually think he's probably done a bad accent in more movies than he hasn't at this point that probably. we've watched. Well, he's <laughs> always in Louisiana. Yeah, that's he's, true. The amount of times that he's done, like, a Louisiana accent, you'd think he would fucking get it down. Yeah. Evidently not. Well, this time it's a Romanian accent, which I couldn't tell you what that actually sounds like, but I don't think it's what Cage was doing. <laughs> but, uh, so, they go to fly off to Kenya, and as soon as they arrive, Veneer's men pick him up, and, uh, they go to meet with his doctor, and then they're like, we're going, and he gets like his medical records and like comes up with some fake doctory things to say from looking at the medical records. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You got friggin' uh, aspirin uh, prescription. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Step> <laughs> prescription <laughs> aspirin. <laughs> and uh, he's really fucking bad at it. <laughs> to be a doctor. Um, so uh, they go. They, they're going to meet with Veneer at his house tomorrow. One of his guys is like, I'll pick you up and I'll take you there. And they're like, okay. So it's the next day. And Dr. Cornell, air finger quotes, um, goes there to meet with him. And uh, then he's just like, hey, I got to use the toilet. So, like, how about how about you come back with me and make sure the toilet's working? I think like, a big fat shit. <laughs> come unclog it for me. Yeah, I know I just got here, but I gotta take a shit. Uh, I usually take my shit on the clock so I can get paid for it, but... <laughs> so, Amen, brother. We all do that. So, uh, takes him to the back, The and then he's like, oh, the toilet's broken, can you help me? The bodyguard walks back there, knocks him out cold, walks out of the bathroom, and sits down in front of Vinnie and he's like, oh yeah, I'm not Dr. Cornell, I'm Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> he rips his ear off. Uh, probably my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, then Veneer is like, oh, I know who you are. Remember you. And, you know, it's two old enemies, both of them in poor health, meeting, having a chat. And uh, it's like Thanos versus Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know that scene where Rocky Raccoon's dying of old age and Thanos has a blood problem? Oh, so good. Sorry, end game spoilers. <laughs> um, then Cage starts having flashbacks to when he was being tortured by Veneer, Veneer while they're having this conversation, and he gets like lost in the moment, and it's all like running together. And then after the conversation, he just walks out without killing him, walks away. But he lies and tells Mr. Chekhov that he did kill Veneer for some Yeah, time. I, I uh, totally killed that guy. Uh, <laughs> blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's dead. Yeah. What was it like? Oh, you know, is it murder? <laughs> Dude, it was fucking gross. Remember how you killed that guy in that other country? <laughs> yeah, like, it was kind of like that, Remember only less of a problem, because <laughs> it's what we came here to do. Uh, um, so, and then, while they're, so they go back to their hotel and are just walking around the pool, and then one of Benir's people comes out and just starts shooting at them. Uh, Cage gets shot. Yelchin also gets shot, but Cage is not shot as badly, even though um, Mr. Chekhov got shot in the arm and is much younger, and Cage is quite old and got shot, like, like inches from the heart. (laughs) Well, see, when your brain is deteriorating, the rest of your body gets much stronger to compensate. Yeah. So, Mr. Chekhov is down, Uh, some paramedics come and get him, but Cage runs off after the attacker, kills him, takes his car drive back to Benir's place and then just is like I'm taking you down now and instead of taking the gun that the other guy had he for pokes reason, him in the eye yeah he pokes him in the eye and like tries to stab him and Benir bites him a bunch and well he manages to kill him by poking him through oh, the eye like, yeah he like sticks his finger all the way in his eye it's just like ugh yeah. he, was, he was in a room with a feeble man who's dying and he probably could have picked up anything to crush his head with but he just really wanted to <laughs> stick his finger as deep into this man's eye as he could i don't understand it uh, uh, i don't either but it was sexy so yeah so uh then he gets back in the car that he took there and starts driving back and while he's driving i couldn't really tell if he like lost consciousness at the wheel because they kind of hinted at that 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 could yeah, happen yeah i before. think they implied yeah. it or, or if he consciously tried to kill himself but yeah, I, I, I think it was that he lost consciousness and he steers into an oncoming truck and we don't see the crash, but we see a montage of shots of graves in a graveyard <laughs> and we hear him talking about like devote his speech from the beginning again about being devoted to the country and and shit and movie's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a, an and Easter egg. And that's when I was like, thank God. Yeah, finally. <laughs> um, there's an Easter egg uh, in this movie that uh, the truck was actually the truck from Sunny which is also the truck from The Wicker Man. Oh, wow. wow. So, which is also the Pizza Planet truck from, from Toy, Toy Story. Story. Yes. Uh, yeah, because actually, um, so the, the founders of Pixar had this famous lunch where they sat down and they thought of all the ideas for Finding Nemo, Toy Story, Dying of the Light, Captain Freddy's <laughs> Mandolin, all these movies in one conversation, and they mm-hmm. just slowly rolled them out, and they were all extremely successful. Yeah. So. But yeah, um, Dying of the Light was obviously the the most successful of the group. Um, yeah, I, th- I believe it's the only one to get nominated for Best Picture too. But, yeah, he was uh, nominated but didn't win um, because uh, they wanted Anton Yelchin to shoot a few more people in the head. <laughs> uh, Needlessly. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he didn't. 
But uh, overall thoughts on the movie, guys. It sure was one. Yeah, it was a film. Yeah. Um, it was. Every time I see a movie that that. Well, I, before we say anything, I think we do have to note how all the actors and people associated with this movie had to sign a what was it called like a non defamation yeah thing about this movie. I think I think that's a. Uh, I think that's standard arrangement for uh, any shitty movie movies. Yeah. But <laughs> so they all got together and took pictures uh, of like a group photo of them wearing shirts with that. And then said they had no comment on the movie. Yeah. So I think that's kind of sums up this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think what sums up this movie for me um, is uh, just a few words that kind of were running through my head repeatedly while I was watching this uh, masterpiece. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, just perfect, uh, best 94 minutes of my life. Uh, man, you've had a rough life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, but this movie was, uh, a bad. good, this a movie good was half bad. hour shorter <laughs> than, uh, Captain Corelli's mandolin felt just as long. Um, it was, it was a bad movie. I'll say that uh, it movie, was shorter. This movie was so much harder to get through for me. Like, yeah, I had to stop was. this, do something else, and then go back to it. At least, like, Captain Corelli scenes all kind of had, a like, a point, and it didn't feel like just information exposition being thrown at me mostly. While, yeah, it, like, it nothing felt happened. like a narrative. Yeah. This kind of felt like nothing at all. Yeah. 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 So. these Well, I would say these two movies had a lot in common in that... Um, it felt like torture to watch both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I know uh, we've kind of gone over the fact that, you know, Captain Corelli's mandolin, uh, not as bad as you would mm. expect, but um, I will be on the record as saying I would rather die than ever watch it again. So <laughs> uh, for both of these movies, for both. Oh, well, See? I will give. I Captain... really hope you don't kill yourself before the next round because we're gonna have to watch one of these. But... I will really. I'll give it to Captain Corelli's mandolin, where at least it held my interest. Where Die of the Light, throughout it, I was just like, "Why am I watching this? Why did I say yes when Nick asked me to do this podcast? I <laughs> could be doing anything else right now." Uh, well, I I would say the the one thing that kept my interest in Dying of the Light, um was that uh, it wasn't Captain Corelli's mandolin, <laughs> which actually didn't keep my interest at all. Um, oh, yeah. uh, it was, there were some good parts. Um, and, then, uh, and then I had to, you know, like, rewind because I was playing on my Switch or something. Um, only for several minutes. <laughs> well, see, I, I, I'm going to have to agree with Zach on this one. I, Captain Corelli's mandolin definitely did a much better job of keeping my interest. Maybe I'm just a sucker for World War II stuff. I like, uh, I like watching fascists get killed, even though that movie, the fascists mostly did the killing, which was sad. But just I mean, like those damn fascists. Yeah. <laughs> and, if there had been more fascist killing, I would have been engaged a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it, it was solid narratively, and even though it was two hours long, I wasn't checking how much time was left constantly, which I checked how much time was left with Dying of the Light several times, which is never a good sign to me. Yeah. But, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
I guess I guess you kind of already know the results of the 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 battle at this point, or at least for two of us. But we still gotta count it down. And we gotta Let's count it down. Count it down. Dave, can we get that countdown? Wait, are we are we recording yet? Do you want me to start recording? Yeah, hit record. Captain Corelli's Mandolin is a movie that came out in 2001. <laughs> Directed by John Madden. And you see it! Let's <laughs> redo all our bits again. Yeah. Hey, we've got enough practice and we can maybe <laughs> we can perfect them. So Christian Bale, you might recall <laughs> from being in... Brian Singer. Uh, hey, hey, guys, Brian Singer, dude. He likes, he likes kids, dude. Henry V. Newsies, Swing Kids, Prince of Jutland, Little Women. He just fucking kills that guy. <laughs> Good football. All <laughs> leading up to him getting cucked by a man who <laughs> is way less attractive than, than him uh, in really every way possible. It's not really just a physical thing. Uh, even if uh, Christian Bale wasn't ripped, um, he was also not like a asshole invading, uh, you know, your country, and then eventually your orifices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. The cage orifice invasion, which has happened in several movies. Most That's notably Zandali. Most Fuck notably Zandali. Uh, so let's get that countdown, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nah. Oh, All okay. Right. So, three, three two, two. One. Mute their mics. Dying of the light. Captain Corelli's Dying of the light wins, and it is going through to the next round. <laughs> oh God, though. Yeah. Oh, Dying of the light was so bad. Like they uh, were both so bad. Uh, Mandolin wasn't the, terrible. Yeah. It, it uh, yeah. Was... Well, I would say it was. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, unless you love fascists, which it kind of <laughs> sounds like you guys do. Nah. Mussolini made the trades run on time. <laughs> um, at least. Uh, instead of being an apologist for fascism, uh, Dying of the Light had the decency Was just racist against Arabs? To, to <laughs> make a brown man the bad guy. Okay? Needlessly. Also, like, that played no plot relevance. Also, why he looked like he was like 30-year-old dude. Like, wasn't he supposed to be old, too? Yep, he should have been, like, the same age as Cage. Uh, he should have been, but you know these guys. They got child soldiers. <laughs> oh. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it looks like Captain Corelli has won this one, and now everybody has one that they dissent on, finally. So, um... But apparently I'm the only one who's going to get shit about it with G-Force. So. G-Force is the shit, though. G-Force rules, and G-Force is uh, bad. I will just have you know, I don't want to ruin the illusion, but as soon as the mics go off every time, Nick is ranting and raving about how much he loves the fucking movie. Well, did you see what he just bought? No, he has a full G-Force fursuit now. Yeah. He actually, um, he always said that he wished that wished that we could genocide all furries um but seeing g-force uh turned him into a kink master uh at this point of the podcast they broke into the editing room and prevented me from <laughs> and forced me to remove all of my comments to the contrary <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i guess part of the reason uh so did it in a furry suit. i love g-force and i love Dying of the Light because 
I hate fascism. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Oh, also, I, I don't think we mentioned this, but uh, Mike showed up to our podcast today wearing a G4 shirt. So <laughs> it, that it is, is true. He, he spent money on that. It's a rad shirt. Thank you, Zazzle.com. I don't know if this was a legal sale, but I don't think Disney gives a shit about the rights to this movie, <laughs> which is a huge problem. Also, um, just for a little backstory, uh, there's like a lot of construction on the way here and I missed my exit and so I got caught by more construction and the whole drive here I was thinking someone's gonna find my car rolled over pull my body out and I'm gonna be wearing a g-force shirt and they'll know that you had style and uh class thank you Zach g-force gang uh, at least I would be able to identify your body because you're the only person who would possibly be wearing that. When are we um, starting the Kickstarter for GeForce 2? Well, here's the thing. Um, I will be donating negative money to that. Uh, so when I started getting all those DMs from the uh, president of Twitter uh, thanking me for starting hashtag GeForce Gang and going viral and bringing the website back into relevance, I said, um, hey, if you got so much power, listen, hook me up with uh, these Disney scumbags and uh, let's get a G-Force 2 going. So Disney calls me on the horn and uh, they tell me, hey, we can't get the original cast back. But what we want to do, because this has become so popular, thanks to you, is we're going to make a G-Force reboot. And I said, go fuck yourself. Original <laughs> cast or I'll kill you all. Um, and My, so that's I, the hashtag for next week. Uh, hashtag kill all Disney uh, workers. Yeah. Mike, I have some bad news for you. Off with Bob um, Iger's head. After you said no to them, they didn't contact me, and they said they already had a director. And it's Brian Singer. Well. Oof. And it's going to star a bunch of kids now. <laughs> well, uh, hey, Hollywood again proves to... Um, you know, pick the abusers uh, side, and um, you know what? I am against that, unless this movie is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, at least we know he can tolerate abuse if G-Force is in it. Would, would you be a, fa a fascist apologist if it was hamsters <laughs> that were fascists? Um, I mean, it depends on how cute they are uh, being trapped in their little cage. Um, so I've been Zach, I mean, and this is been fucking movie. <laughs> it's true. Um, and I am Mike, the only non-fascist on the podcast, and that is on the record. Nah. <laughs> and I am Nick, the only one with enough taste to recognize G-Force as a bad film that should not have passed. And yeah, you ain't the only one. Oh, it's true. I got Dave on my side, but he's not going to be here much longer. So <laughs> Yeah, and it's always a good indicator when uh, Dave's on your side when it comes to taste. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, don't That's judge so me by my peers. <laughs> <laughs> Taste these nuts. Cage fight. Fight. Nicholas Cage. See you next time for Amos and Andrew and Looking Glass. And we're going to go <laughs> through the Looking Glass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done here. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Hashtag G4SK.
you've been a solid work production. Solid work. Solid work. Uh, solid work. Hey, solid, solid work. work.